Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, this is Pia Baranchini and welcome to Everything is the Best, the podcast where I get vulnerable and make others do it with me. The goal here is to deep dive into interesting people's journeys, finding common denominators, and hopefully making you feel not so alone. So let's laugh, let's cry, and let's get inspired to live our best lives. Hello, my darlings. Today we have another really special episode with Simon Huck. He grew up in Canada with a dream to do PR and manage celebrities, and boy, did he ever. After interning, hustling, couch surfing, and more, he eventually began working closely with some of the world's biggest celebrities, including Kim Kardashian. His career took a detour a couple years ago when he and a friend were talking about the lack of informative, easy, and charming disaster preparedness kits, leading to the birth of Judy. Over 60% of Americans have no emergency plan, and Judy wants to change that statistic. In this episode, we discuss Simon's career, the genesis of Judy, and what it's like to disrupt an industry you know nothing about. Personally, I'm a huge fan. The kits are not only aesthetically pleasing, the contents are handpicked by preparedness specialists, easily identifiable, and easy to use. More importantly, they make what is usually a very unsexy, scary, yet life-changing information charming, oddly fun, and easily digestible. It's a wildly informational episode. Also, don't forget to stick around to the end where Davide and I answer your relationship questions. Um, Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I obviously want to talk about Judy, but... You're an icon and a legend. And so I think that people should know about your history and how you are like a major, major PR. Because PR is such like an underrated job now because we have Instagram. And my first job was at People's Revolution. So... Oh my God, stop. I lived there with her. I I couldn't afford an apartment in New York and I lived in the back of the showroom on the fourth floor. (laughs) And just to clarify, People's Revolution, it was Kelly Catrone's Kelly, company, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I have such a funny story about her. I'm, uh, I'm sure a lot of people have. <laughs> yeah. No, it was... So we had our show. We did a TV show, my ex-business partner and I, called The Spin Crowd. It was like just... Yeah, I, I remember. Mean, it was, okay, yeah. Thank you. You're kind to even say that you saw it um, or know of it. But at the time, it was a she big had deal. a show. Oh, you're again, kind. It was fine. (laughs) Just like me on a reality show with my, with my then business partner was just super stressful for me. And Kelly had a show about her PR company, Kel on Earth. And she, I, I didn't even know who she was. I know that there was some shorter show on MTV, but I wasn't a big MTV watcher. And she tweeted like, I do serious PR, not lollipop PR. And she was daggering us because the show, the episode that was like kind of airing our debut episode was about Sugar Factory, and which is a lollipop. <laughs> which was such a big deal. And I was just like, I, I, I was like, this is wild. I don't even know this person. She's coming for me. <laughs> That's her and love like, language. What did I do? Yeah. That's her love that language. That is her love language. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you, like, I don't think people understand the intensity of those relationships what PR really is like how you're constantly on constantly trying to figure so how did you even get into PR 
So the story is so, it's ridiculous. So I was 19, 20 years old, living in Kingston, Ontario, finishing my undergrad. And I knew that I didn't want to be, I was like a major in political science. I knew that that was not going to be my story. And I'd always been star obsessed, but living in Canada, I had no access. Like I was a star fucker. I was like, (laughs) how can I possibly like get into entertainment? Like, what can I do to break into this? But being Canadian, living in Ottawa, then going to school in like a small university town, like there was no access point for me at all. Yeah, of course. But since I was 12 years old, I had a subscription to Us Weekly, People Magazine, like the Grammys were my Super Bowl, the Oscars. Like, (laughs) And I was like, not only was I interested in like the actual award show, but I was like, oh, is that the manager? Is that the agent? Like, Yeah, I'm standing next to them, yeah. Oh, I wanted Entourage. Like this is before <laughs> glam artists like ruled the scene. Like yeah. this is back in the heyday when there really was one gatekeeper that kind of controlled an entertainer's life and trajectory. And, and I was all in, I, I leaned in. And at this part-time job at a clothing store, I was 20 years old and I was reading Us Weekly and there was a story about Lizzie Grubman. And for those of you out there who don't know who Lizzie is, Lizzie is kind of this infamous publicist who had... She's, she's incredible, but she had a car accident um, in the early 2000s. She ended up going to jail. She came out of jail and she kind of triumphed and kind of rebuilt her image and had this very big, very jazzy PR company called Lizzie Group and PR. And she it was the biggest MTV. deal in New York. It was the biggest deal in New York. And so there was this item in Us Weekly about her making it with John Mayer. And it called her a publicity princess. No, I died. I was like, she's a publicity princess. I want to be a PR prince. Yeah. Like that is my goal. So I picked up the phone and I stalked. I called her CFO. I would call every day. I, I'll work for free. I'll work for free. I did not have the financial means to work for free, but I was like, I had heard, I had read somewhere that like volunteering your time and interning was the only way to break into PR, specifically entertainment PR. And at the time I thought that PR was event planning. I thought I was going to be like, handing out like, I don't even know, flowers at a party. Like I had no idea what was going on. Long story short, I ended up um, getting someone on the phone. They agreed to meet with me. I flew down to New York and I was given this unpaid internship working for Lizzie. Amazing. Yeah. Wild. How long did you do that for? So I did that for, so Lizzie was partners with this guy named Jonathan Chevin and Mm -hmm. Jonathan, who's now is known as the food god. And Lizzie, um, yeah. With this guy named Jonathan Chavin. <laughs> who's now, well, no, because now he says food god. And when I say, when I call him John, he's like, it's the food god. I'm like, okay, I've known you 12 years. Oh, like IRL, he makes you call him the food god? No, it's, he legally changed his name. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, it's like this world, this life is so wild. It's like a roller coaster. <laughs> and so he, Jonathan and Lizzie were business partners. They had this kind of joint partnership. And after a year and a half, I felt like that partnership was ending and I decided to go work for Jonathan. And Jonathan really was my mentor. He, he was an incredible, he started his career as a publicist, an entertainment publicist. And I, I very much learned that PR had nothing to do with event planning, that it was like its own specific niche. And what Lizzie and Jonathan did best was were throwing these big red carpet events. Mm-hmm. They represent, this is back in the day when nightlife was a thing. Like yeah, such a thing. you were going like, cause nightclubs aren't really what nightclubs, cause I think social media ruined that people are scared Yeah. And you go. get like the, you get paparazzi going into those nightclubs. It's like what she's wearing, right. who is she with it? Like that yeah. created stardom. Totally. Like it was like Paris Nikki, Nicole, Misha, and they had Lindsay. bangles everywhere. Oh so my God, many And if you were really skinny, you had your bangle above your elbow. Totally. Remember that? Oh, and, and, and Rachel Zoe was like the stylist forever. It was like back in the day, mm-hmm. everything was so different then, but that was the era that I started. And long story short, we did this TV show. Um, called The Spin Crowd, which was executive produced by Kim Kardashian. At the time, she was on her eighth season of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And she was excited to do a show kind of showing viewers life behind the velvet rope of what it was like to be an entertainment publicist. And the show was great. I mean, I had fun doing it, but it was also very stressful for me. And I wasn't used to being in front of the camera. I felt more comfortable being behind the camera. And the food god really leaned in. He was like, this is actually 
<laughs> this is my calling. I want to do more TV. I want to build my, you know, the personality that he was. So I bought the business from him in 2011. Oh. And it was a PR firm. It was an entertainment PR firm. And I morphed it from PR into, I'm going to use like this annoying term, like procurement. Really, it's talent brokering. So yeah. I connect brands with celebrities. So when you see a Super Bowl commercial and you see a star hawking shampoo, I am the person who negotiated the deal and connected the brand. Unbelievable. I mean, that's yeah. so cool. Were you just like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening to me? Or do you seem like a very type A, like head down focus, just get the job done kind of person? Like I wish, no, I was definitely head down type A, like just be so appreciative that you have the job, but I was so excited. Like I could not believe, I mean, I had four pennies and lived in like scary places and, you know, sofa surfed for probably the first four years of my life in New York. But I was just so blown away. For me, with growing up in Canada without social media, and did you know we're probably around the same age? Did you grow up with social media? Uh, when I was a senior in high school, MySpace came out. Okay. Okay. So I think probably the same. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't really realize how people were living because I was from Canada. Like I thought that I was like living a really fab life, which I was, but I didn't realize the excess. And the craziness that was yeah. going on in well, New York City. We went to like City. the so, epicenter of like the world between New York and LA. With the combination of celebrities. So I was, I was just thought that I had won the lottery. I was so grateful. And it was a really exciting time. And I learned so much about media and entertainment and just like how the world works. And at the time, celebrity, there really wasn't influencers. There was this there was celebrities, there was industry people, and then there were socialites. And to be honest, socialites kind of died in yeah. this era. The idea that like women or men who come from these kind of aristocratic backgrounds were, were being paparazzi in the street, that doesn't exist anymore. But that was a big thing in, in New York City when I moved here in 2005. It was the biggest thing. I mean, that was... Yeah. And it's funny because there's still some of them on like the Upper East Side where it'll be like, oh, this socialite, but it's now in such totally. a small little world. And it's like, and then that turned into like real housewives. A hundred percent. And then influencer like really was the nail in the coffin because yeah. suddenly you have people who not only are they quote unquote famous, but they're also moving and selling product, mm -hmm. which like many of these kind of quote unquote socialites weren't really concerned with product moving. No, so it, it just the whole landscape changed. But to get back to your first question about media, I mean, the old guard, you know, there were editors like the editor of page six. Biggest or, deal to have that relationship. Like th these were scary times. These people were making and breaking careers. Mm -hmm. You were always so scared that something would come out ab ab about your client or about you or someone you knew. It was just a very different time. And I remember when TMZ started. And it was just like, no one could believe that people were videoing celebrities coming in and out of like Teddy's nightclub or Hyde. And you would wake up in the morning and you would see it. And it was just like, it was the beginning of this just total craziness around pop culture and celebrity, which now has morphed obviously into what it is today. Well, you've done a really good job of pivoting. And I think that's people's biggest problems is they're like, why aren't things like they used to? I'm like, nothing has ever been consistent forever. And the smartest thing you can do instead of saying, why isn't it like it used to be is just navigate with the newness and pivot yeah. and continue to move forward instead of, I, I, yeah. I'm like, Oh, you're shooting yourself in the foot. So, I mean, yeah. what a, an amazing journey to watch that happen and then just completely go into influencer sphere. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes. Join me every Monday for a new episode of my podcast, Recovering from Reality. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, I'm here to deliver intimate conversations and expert insights to empower you on the road towards authentic wellness. So are you ready to recover from reality? It was definitely scary. And there's still moments, even now during the pandemic, where you're like, what the fuck is my, like, is business ever coming back? Like, what is, what does business look like? But kind of simultaneously 
over the last two to three years of me growing my business, I also had this existential crisis where I was thinking, wait a minute, I have all these great relationships and I have been building other people's businesses for over 15, 16 years. Mm -hmm. What can I do that actually, yes, will be a successful, profitable business, but what can I do that actually has an impact, like an imprint on this world? And that was really part of the genesis for Judy. Can you explain what Judy is? Because Judy is so brilliant. Um, you're so kind to say that. And thank you so much. I saw you post about Judy and it means it meant so much. I have um, her like displayed by the way, like she should yeah. go into like a safe place in my house, but she's like displayed <laughs> in our living room right now. Cause I love the box. No, she's so good. So Judy was my co-founder and I, Josh, we've known each other for over a decade. He's Canadian. And we had both, we started kind of trading stories. He, he was an entrepreneur. He's been an entrepreneur all his life. And we both had friends who had been involved in these, what we call kind of high consequence emergencies. So wildfires, hurricanes. I had two friends who lost their homes in the wildfires in in Mm. Southern California. I have friends who've lost their homes in, in hurricanes. And the common denominator in all of these stories was just a fundamental lack of preparedness. When you ask them, like, did you have an emergency plan? They're like, what the hell is an emergency plan? Like, what language are you speaking? Mm -hmm. And did you have an emergency kit? Forget it. There was no, like, some of them had like an ad hoc first aid kit. Some of them could identify where their fire extinguishers were, but there was no kind of preparedness plan. So, and I hate saying this, but I like, bear with me because when entrepreneurs say this, I want to like stab them, but we kind of looked at this market and we saw a white space. We saw an opportunity mm-hmm. where there was no brand really doing anything around family preparedness. Mm-hmm. And the things that were out there were super niche. It was for dudes who were climbing a mountain mm-hmm. or it was super luxe. And it was a $5,000 emergency kit that, you know, the everyday family couldn't afford to to buy. Oh, so, did you see the one that just when I made like five years ago, it was a $10,000 emergency kit. Which is crazy. No, everyone should have access to feeling safe. Yeah. Yeah. And it shouldn't feel like a mini bar. It shouldn't be like, once you start glamorizing preparedness and preparedness items and putting chocolate and toothpaste, like decadent toothpaste, it, like it takes away, you know, the people that we speak to on a daily basis who reach out to us, who've used our product or who have it or have been in an emergency, these are the scariest moments of your life. If anyone who is listening has been in an emergency situation, where it's, whether it's a house fire or a hurricane, your heart is beating at a pace you can't even, you didn't even know it could beat that fast. Yeah. And if you haven't had that conversation with your loved ones of, what do we do when we can't get out the front door? Have we practiced that drill to go out the screen door, go out the basement door? Have we checked that latch? Does it open properly? Can my six-year-old fit through it? These are really scary conversations to have. No one wants to have them. I don't want to have them. But what we did with Judy is we made the brand approachable so you could have that conversation around your Judy kit. It's almost like the centerpiece of the conversation Mm -hmm. and encourages you like, let's talk about it. Let's not be so scared and let's get that peace of mind. So for everyone who doesn't know, Judy is a, what would you call it? Like safety orange. It's like a beautiful giant safety orange box. And inside are beautifully, very clear labeled boxes and their yep. contents. So yep. and I talked to Simon last week about this because I was so taken aback by how it's just such a brilliant, perfect concept because I don't know about anybody else, but the conversation, like I told you, of preparedness in our house, like for five years, my mom has been like, we got to get the emergency kits together. And my husband is like off the boat for me. He's like, what emergency kit? We are fine. We walk out the front door. We, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like we, I can't live my life like this. And we were like, no, right. no, no, like you have to live your life like this. Yeah. And we have a couple friends who are wildly prepared, but these are people who like, you know, are financially very stable and... Yeah. And, and, and so, um, it becomes this like isolating thing. And then, and then like in our journey to this point, literally, okay. So like, where do we start? And when you go online, there's so much kind of different information. I'm like, what am I supposed to like go to target, like write this down. And like, I, I, it just all was like, 
in our busy lives, a very seemed like a tedious, annoying task to do. Ironic, considering these are the things that will ultimately save your life. So I'm happy that you, another annoying word, disrupted this market and essentially (laughs) (laughs) trigger and essentially made it cool (laughs) because it's incredibly necessary. Thank you. No, it, it is something that is necessary and it's something that we've just seen. And, you know, we launched seven months ago and already we're speaking to so many different people who have been in emergent situations, you know, there was large swaths of kind of the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area that lost their power and had no access to emergency alerts. And guess what? The hand crank radio that comes in your duty, suddenly they took it out of the, out of the wrapper and were using it to get all of their alerts of when their power is going to go back on. And so suddenly, you know, people who were really kind of weary or um, skeptical about the idea of emergency kits realize that there is utility and function to them. So it's been like a very kind of gratifying experience. And it's only seven months old. I mean, it feels like this so is crazy for 17 years. What's the process like of um, putting together a brand with contents that are unfamiliar to you? Oh, what a process. I would love to sit here and tell you that it was like a three-month crash course, but (laughs) I really felt kind of the imposter syndrome around this category because I knew so little about B. I was the least... I was not a Judy. Okay, I was the opposite of a Judy. Well, can you say the name Judy? Okay, so Judy is really a persona. So if any of you out there have a Judy friend or Judy grandmother or great Aunt Judy, we consider them to be type A... Mm-hmm. super organized. They bring like three Pirelles in like every purse. They are prepared. <laughs> that is, Judy is a persona. I love it. So it's so funny. So the process was it, was, it was arduous in the sense that I really wanted to make sure that I became almost a, an expert myself. So we consulted with every expert that we could find, people that had worked with FEMA and the Red Cross for over 15, 20 years. And we're able to identify what are the blind spots around preparedness. Like the fact is that 60% of American families are not prepared for emergencies. And some of them don't even have a first aid kit. So what is the reason behind that? Like what is the psychological reason and how can we get to the bottom of it? And that's why when you see Judy, you don't immediately think of an emergency kit brand. Like we, we needed to kind of lead with optimism. Like the colors are really bright. Our content isn't scary. Again, like how do you talk about a really scary situation without people immediately shutting down? So yeah. it did take, it was about 18 months of development. Oh, wow. of like figuring out what was going to go in it from kind of initial idea. Like we yeah, started as a freeze dried food. We thought that we had this genius idea that you could take a, like a freeze dried shelf stable meal and it could almost be like Pedialyte, like you would grab it on the way to the gym, like not a chance. The food was awful, but that's like, that was the iteration of, yeah. of the idea. And then it like, Oh, cool. It took shape. What have you learned that you had no idea about in terms of like actual in the moment preparedness and safety? That education is more, maybe my investors won't like to hear this, but that education is more important than the physical product. Mm. Like the practicing of your emergency drills, you hear so many stories of people when they're in an emergency, they almost go through a state of like paralysis and they make really bad decisions. And those decisions can be life-changing and they look back and they don't understand why they made them. Like, why did they go back into the room where there was a fire? Why did they lose their way? Because they hadn't practiced it. They hadn't done dress rehearsal before. So you realize very early on in this process that education and, you know, setting it in your calendars every six months, okay, we're going to do a fire drill. Like, Pia, when's the last time you did a fire drill in your home? Never. 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 You just don't even think about it. And we're on a hill surrounded by, like, we got a new gardener last week and he walked up our hill and he was like, your entire back hill is a complete fire hazard. Like if someone puts a cigarette out on this road, your house is going up. Your house is going up. Yeah. And just like basic earthquake safety too. I mean, so many people just kind of have myths and misnomers around 
how you're injured and during an earthquake or how, or how hurricanes work. Like, there's just so many things. Same. I, I, I'm also guilty of this. I knew so little about any of those dangers because I felt like living in New York City, I was, I was immune. I wasn't vulnerable. Yeah, of course. And now with the way that global warming is happening, there's giant hurricanes going. I mean, I lived there during Sandy. It was, and where my bedroom was, I live in a tiny studio and my bedroom window was like the building next to me ended at my bedroom window. So like their roof. So I just looked at all the stuff on their roof and I was like, if the wind is facing me, all this shit is going to fly into right, my right. window. Like I started, and then it was like, everyone was like rushing to the store to get food. And I had, it was, I remember just being like, wow, I have no clue what's going to happen. I'm zero prepared. Do I go downstairs if it's flooding? Right. Do I stay right. out here? <laughs> and same thing like with our house now, like all of my earthquake preparedness like ended when I left high school. Obviously we did like earthquake and fire drills, but like, no, have we done them in here? Absolutely not. My husband and my mother no. and I would not be grab the dogs. Leave it. Like, I don't know how any of that would work. You know what I really love that you guys do, which I'm so thankful for is the, um, the tax. Yes. Which everyone should so... subscribe to the Judy text messages. Cause there are these like fabulous, very charming reminders and notifications yeah, just... of important things happening. Yeah. They're gentle reminders letting you know, you know, and we also do them by region. And it's, I should say that they're completely free. There's no fee for them. We have over 50,000 subscribers and we send them out once or twice, kind of every two to three weeks. And they're reminders about, oh, you're planning on going to the beach. Here are the three things you need to be aware of, given that, that we're in, living in a pandemic right now. Yeah, the beach notification yeah. was fabulous. So yeah, cute. Thank you. Thank you. Because... It, it's like almost when you think about preparedness as a category, and this is what we hear all the time, there are so many things to be prepared for. To, so to throw all that information at you, in the first iteration of Judy, there was a manual that we were giving to people and we realized no one was no going to read the manual. manual. You need to give bite-sized nuggets of information. I think it's almost a hack for any marketer out there. Like giving someone a booklet it's never going to be open. Like you need to figure out a delivery system to give them little nuggets. So they're like learning on the go. So well, the little Pete, there was like one little, like the breakdown of all the information in there. Like there was like one little cute paragraph and then all the little stickers and like, who's the captain? Like totally. It became a, 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 a conversation in our home opening it. Like my husband was like, well, I want to be the captain. I was like, great. Like, that's great. And like, right. my mom was like, oh, I'll do this. And I was like, look at us like talking about this in like a joyful yeah. way. Right. Not like opening like some sort of tactical camouflage bag that you're <laughs> yeah. never. Yeah. And the access to everything, the instant access to everything is also so brilliant. And that the crank radio also has a phone charger. Yep. It's all, it's all intuitive and it all speaks to each other. And it's really like your first step. I mean, we're seven months old and we already have so many new kits and products that are coming out. We're launching a pet preparedness kit. (gasps) I had no, I'm not a pet owner myself, but are you a pet owner? Yeah. We have a million animals here. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, you do. I've seen your Instagram. (laughs) Um, People are, I, sometimes I feel like they care more about their pets than themselves. I mean, they are so our Instagram is flooded with when is the pet kit coming? When is we need it? We have a cat. We need like a cat kit. So we're working on that. Oh, who do you even speak to about that? Like who's like your go-to for like information about like animal preparedness? So we have this incredible woman named Soraya Sutherland, who's our director of education. She is a, an emergency preparedness expert. Amazing. She has, yeah. So she like will spearhead everything. She's the one that keeps me sane. She also, and we have to do one with you. She teaches these preparedness classes for Judy, where we go and we'll come into your home. You'll invite 10 of your friends over. We drink wine and we talk about preparedness. And oh, I love we that. stay, yeah, it's so fun. I mean, in a post-COVID world, we'll do it. We were doing it pre-COVID. We would stay till one in the morning. I mean, <laughs> moms and dads had so many questions, not only about kind of the the basics like fire safety, but also about home invasions mm-hmm. and just general security around your home, what, how to talk to your kids about these kind of scary situations. So many parents don't talk to their kids about that because they're scared that they will alarm them. So they end up just, it's like a blind spot. That I grew up obviously in this house and there's windows everywhere. And I was downstairs. My parents were upstairs 
And we used to leave our gate open. And there have been multiple times where I've seen people like little through my bedroom window, like walking up our driveway or like knocking on our garage door. Like a woman at one point came here, she was being mistreated by her husband and like came here in the middle of the night. We'd never met her. And we like saved her and brought her in. But you know, for the most part, like I grew up so fear-based in this home and my parents would never talk to me about it because they wouldn't want me to be scared. But had I been prepared, I wouldn't be, you know, fear is our, is, is our worst enemy, right? I could have just approached 100%. that in a much better way. So when I moved in here, now we have cameras everywhere. If someone breaks in through that side, I'm like, now we go here. You know, I mean, we're very... You've mapped it out. We've mapped it have out. anyone... But, in your family been involved in an emergency situation before like a home fire or no we've never had no we've had robberies here but my mom's pretty savage it happened here like this middle of the day a guy took a brick and threw it through our kitchen window and she was like walking in with groceries from the store and she chased after him and frazzled him yeah and i did that in new york once somebody tried to break into my apartment i was like you motherfucker and like chased after them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like they picked the wrong family. Yeah, I was like, "Don't mess with us. This is our stuff. We work so hard for our home." It's such a violating feeling. Such so, a violation. Yeah. How do you prepare for? I know you have. Thank God, you told me that you have like stuff for fires coming. But you know, have you guys talked about? As I'm always so nervous about it. Like I was thinking about getting one of those hoses that uses our pool water to fight off the yeah. fires yourself. But do you just instead of doing like from your standpoint, from what you've learned? do I stay here and try to fight the fire or am I just, I'm prepared with my stuff that I need with my documents and I get out of here. It's such a gray area because it depends on where the fire is. But Mm. you know, if it's a kitchen fire, which is the most common, that is the most common fire and your fire extinguisher is right there, you should do your best to minimize it. Mm -hmm. But I think you get yourself into a situation where if it's in, if it's spreading into multiple places, then even though you want to save what you can, they, the the fire chief would recommend you leave your home immediately. Because fire, it takes what like one minute to engulf an entire room, or is it's, it less than that? It, this this speed is incredible. It's one of the reasons why they tell you to close your door, close all your bedroom doors. Because if you leave your bedroom doors open at night and there's a fire, it spreads so quickly. I took a forensic psychology class and watch videos of fires erupting because it's so like I, I don't think people understand like how fast a fire can travel through yeah it's incredible your home and so for all of us californians sorry but like we've talked about we are majorly overdue for a very big earthquake right yes so the Judy yeah, I mean, fox can you talk about how what it prepares you for like in terms of days and how many people and all of that Yeah. So the Judy, so we have different levels, um, depending on where you live. So we have kind of our core product is the Judy safe, which we consider to be almost the home appliance of preparedness. And it has six different cartridges with over 75 different products inside of it. And that is for a family of four, um, that lasts up to 72 hours. So when you think of the basics of what is in an emergency kit, there needs to be food, water, and first aid. And the biggest challenge around food and water, if you make your own, is that you need to have something that lasts a long time or you're going to constantly keep replacing your granola bars or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the food and water is shelf-stable for up to five years and in many cases, much longer. But Judy will send you reminders when it's due, when you have to replace it. Amazing. So in five years, yeah, in five years, we'll be sending you an email saying, hey, it's time to replace the food and water. And the same goes for some of the products that are in, in the first aid kit. Um, so that's really the basics. And then everything else, there's so much utility. You just don't think about it. Like we have N95 masks. They were designed for wildfire prevention. Of course, now in the middle of a pandemic, people are using them for other purposes. Um, but I'd say in a, during an earthquake, um, a hand crank radio is so critical because if it's an earthquake over a certain level, which you know that those are the ones that we're most concerned about, you're going to lose power. And what we know in any large scale emergency, what happened in Hurricane Sandy, what happened in Katrina, Northridge in, in 94, you're not going to be able to send a text message. You're not going to be able to receive phone calls. So it is critically important that you have some sort of radio where you can get those alerts. Um, and it's also, I mean, I, I hate to sound like a parent here, but it's also why you need to have an emergency contact and an out-of-state emergency contact because that out-of-state mm. 
contact operates as your family kind of dispatch operator. So if you're in LA and you have a sibling who is on the other side of town, you're, you won't be able to call them because of the way the phone networks are set up. But you can call like Aunt Susie in totally. Oklahoma and she can operate as the dispatcher. I remember my mom telling me that. People don't know that. That like if we have those emergency, everyone just thinks, oh, I have my phone, but you won't have your phone. At all. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Like I couldn't call my fiance in the other room, but I could call you in LA if there was a, if there's something had happened in, yeah. in New York. So wild. So speaking of emergency contact, do you want to tell everyone about the podcast that you have launching? Oh yes, I'm so excited. So we are launching a podcast. My best friend and I. Her name is Melissa. We've been friends forever. I was her maid of honor in her first wedding. And it features a guest and their real life emergency contact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's a lighthearted, fun way to get to know someone and also their emergency contact and also talk about emergency preparedness in a way that has a little bit of levity. We get a little bit silly. And the goal, of course, is that people walk away with like, oh, that was an interesting way to talk about earthquakes. That was an interesting way to talk about burglaries. I'm going to actually pull some of that information and integrate it into my real life. I just have to say what you have done is so brilliant because it is so hard for people to really think outside of the box. And now the way that we consume information, especially even the way that like Black Lives Matters information is shared or anything. And I think it's also very American right now to be like defensive and shut down a little bit. And so to, to pivot and to share this information in a fun, brilliant, like I wish I had studied like this in high school. You know what I, It's like the way that you are understanding how people absorb information is so brilliant. It's inspiring to watch. Thank you. That's, that's so sweet of you to say. And, I, and it has been such a journey because kind of like the process of getting us to where we are today, we had no idea really what we were doing. And we, I think the, the first challenge was like, okay, get into a room and figure out how are people going to listen to a preparedness conversation without falling asleep or wanting to turn us off because we're scaring them. So we spent uh, most of our time in the development phase figuring out kind of the brand and marketing challenge of how to talk about this without scaring people away. Brilliant. Before we go, I would love to, just because you have been such a badass for so long and you're so organized, (laughs) I just feel like I'm shaking my head. (laughs) cut off half the time. Do you have any tips for like managing time and organization? Do you have any like hacks? Like what do you do when you wake up in the morning? Like how do you, how do you remember to do all the tasks you have? Like any sort of little pro tip. Okay. So this sounds kooky. Um, I didn't always have like a quote unquote executive assistant but I do, I guess, have one now for my marketing business, but I don't, I don't use my executive system to manage my calendar. Mm-hmm. I think that we often rely so heavily on other people to plot our days. So my, my first hack is if you're at that stage in your, your career where you have an executive assistant, try to manage your own calendar on your own. Because what ends up happening is you like give up huge chunks of time to calls that are unnecessary because you yourself aren't fielding them. So suddenly you're like spending days like talking to people that aren't a priority for your business. So it has made me become a ruthless prioritizer. And for the folks out there who are starting their career and don't don't use an assistant, I have always been very old school. And I write everything down, not on a computer, but in like a notepad. Of I like, do too. This is what I need to accomplish. And then I'm crossing it off. Something about these calendars, it just... It I'm seems like, fake. Uh-uh. It seems fake. <laughs> I'm not going to commit to it. Yeah. My husband does that too. And I'll tell you, I worked, I've worked for a lot of very powerful women and all of them had operated their, their days and their weeks and their months by a list and crossing something off is incredibly powerful. Yeah, it is powerful. Do you have a moment in the day where you're like, okay, I'm going to stop working now. Like, do you have boundaries with work or are you just kind of constantly getting things done? No, I love my leisure time. And I think in New York City and maybe in LA, certainly I think, you know, in the worlds that we're in, it's like a badge of honor for many people to say, oh, I'm just constantly working. Oh, and busy I, and bragging. I actually, oh, busy bragging. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not that busy, actually. I'm okay because I 
manage my schedule today. I'm going to get it all done. But at 6.30 or 7 o'clock when I'm with my fiance, I'm going to turn my phone off. And I think the people I work with, our partners, our stakeholders, they appreciate that. Like, I don't want to get your cuckoo crazy email at 9.30 that's going to unsettle me. So guess what? I'm not looking at my phone after 7.30. I'm just not like I'm not going into my emails. Now, obviously, there are exceptions when you're launching a brand, blah, blah, blah. But for the most part, I'm, I'm really good at taking the weekend to be the weekend. Like I have, a, like I have emails I want to send throughout the weekend, but I just put them in my draft folder. Don't mm-hmm. annoy your lovely you know, partner or whoever at your company with whatever's in your brain. Save that's, that for Monday morning. That's really nice that you're being so considerate of it because people don't do that. It's, it's like, I'll know sometimes I'll start getting emails at nine from someone and I'm like, oh God, like I just got yeah. down. Like yeah. I just and got then you feel, and now I'm spiraling. Yeah. And there is this culture, this like New York, LA culture. Maybe, maybe it's everywhere where it's like, oh no, I'm going to respond. Oh, my boss is calling. No, it's not a badge of honor. You have to control how people treat you and you have to put your guardrails up. Obviously, I know when you're you know, starting at your career, you're not so lucky. I, I was, you know, Jonathan was my boss for kind of three or four years and was ruthless. But then I became his partner and then I bought the company and then I was ruthless. <laughs> <laughs> Food God. <laughs> I can't believe you changed his name. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. That is such great advice and congratulations so much. And thank you for taking the time to speak with me. And oh what's the God, name of the podcast? You. And when is it launched? It's called Emergency Contact. Oh, it is, okay. And when is it launching? It launches September 7th. Okay, great. And where can people find yeah. you? And where can they find Judy? They can find Judy at Ready Set Judy, which is our Instagram. And they can find me on Instagram at Simon Huck. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> she just yeah, loved me. I'm <laughs> screaming at him because we need to record this. And he's like fucking making out, know, making out with the puppy. Uh, <laughs> making out with the puppy. Now he's talking too close that's to the that's mic, that's too far away sorry, from the mic. Sorry, sorry. You know guys, your sorry. mic etiquette. Pretend like this is a Giaia cashmere thing and and give it that same love. Oh, nice. You, you can hear like... <laughs> yeah. Lock her up. Jeez. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Focus. I am very focused. I recently broke up with my boyfriend and we love each other very much. Unfortunately, it was best for us to separate due to us both having mental health issues that we needed to take care of independently. Towards the end, I really begged him to stay with me to the point where he said his heart isn't in it anymore. I obviously want to heal myself, but... Her face. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is why we can't have a daughter we cannot have a daughter so I will, won't exist anymore it's all about this goddamn oh puppy God. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking break up with you Go ahead, sorry. I'm sorry I'm listening and now this poor girl wants advice I am sorry I said I'm sorry I'm <laughs> he's crying go ahead, go ahead. I'm pulling Ahem. Towards the end, I begged him to stay with me to the point where he said his heart wasn't in it anymore. I obviously want to heal myself, but first I'm battling as far as dating other people and trying to cope with the fact that he may date other people and we'll never get back together. Words of advice. Okay, I'm going to start here. What? This is a problem that everybody has that we need to get out of our brains immediately. And it's hard, but you just have to fucking do it. You should not have to cope with the fact that he may date other people when he's saying his heart isn't in it with you. You know what I mean? Can you focus or you want to make out with the dog? I am I am super focused. <laughs> he's giggling. He's looking at the puppy. I am and he's, just by the mic. And he's giggling. I agree with you, by the way. Because no, it, this, this becomes Looking about inside. ego. This is not your person. And so, and be easy with yourself with the heartbreak, with the pain of the heartbreak and start doing like lovely, yummy things for yourself. Allow yourself to be sad. Move through that space of sadness into anger, into empathy for yourself. 
try to translate that energy into art or writing or work or working out. You know, oh, there's yourself. a lot of magical energy that comes from a breakup that if you can yeah, shift to, it to into something else. Yeah. yeah, then, yeah. then it, and once you do that, by the way, it's like one of the most powerful feelings in the I world. Agree, I agree. But. I also, I also would like to say that when you arrive in a relation where if you're ever at the point that you got to beg me or anytime you got to force or something, it might be too late. Yeah. It might already went away or it might already, like you said, I agree with you. And you said it might wasn't meant to be. So, and on this, I got to say social media. I was about to say social media makes really it help, so. You know, because you see him might be at the beach or might hang out with somebody yeah, you're else. Yeah, like, who's he with? And you yeah, get you know, obsessive like, over that stuff. It's like one, one, one advice I, I will give to you, if this is something that really makes you feel miserable, for a minute, take a break from that. Don't show him anything and don't be focused on those kind of outlets. Like just stay focused on yourself. It's summer. It's beautiful out. Enjoy, enjoy yourself for a minute and trying to forget about it. I think time is the best. Time is the best medicine. And may, and and obsessing over what he could be doing or where exactly. he could be, especially it's you're it's not gonna you're help. it's you're set, you're taking steps backwards, totally. big time taking steps backwards. Totally. Like I still have my ex boyfriend blocked on Instagram from like a million years ago because I don't. I don't want to see it. I don't want him to see what I'm doing. And if you're not seeing it, life just moves on. If you're not looking at your phone, totally. then, then but you're eventually it will move. You will move on inside you, which is the most important thing. Are you ready for the next question? Please. I've been dating this guy since January. He really ticks all my boxes. I love him to pieces, but he was deployed in May and ever since I knew that about the was coming. Well, he was deployed. That's what <sighs> that's him. Oh. He was deployed in May, and ever since then, I feel like he's made comments about how our sex life isn't amazing. He doesn't like how I don't take charge, which I feel like I do. And he feels like he's more sexual than me, which is such a surprise because I've always felt like I've been the sexual partner in past relationships. He's always asking for nudes, and sometimes it makes me feel a little cheap. Oh my God, Davide used to make me feel so cheap with the nudes. Yeah, come on, guys. What? It's first of all, for my understanding, sorry if I go first, it seems almost that these situation is principle based. It seems that she's acting out of a principle. And I never believe principle or pride or any of those components makes any sense in a relation. There is no such of a thing. I'm in control. He's in control. Who's in control? He's sexual. I'm That's more such sexual. such an awkward... If a, if I a, think, yeah. I think if a guy said to me, I don't feel like you take charge. I mean, I have well, to say this, yeah. from, but from a woman's perspective on what it's I... It's off. Yeah. Like when a man semi-criticizes anything that you do uh, this, this sexually, terrible. it's the most vulnerable, of horrible... Of course. I agree with you. That should never happen. But that's oy, why I'm oy, saying oy. it seems almost that either he wants to touch you like in a bad way like like almost like not teasing you like but just yeah hurt like, you for for free basically and and it makes no sense to me nudes are not a problem sexuality is it's the expression of sexuality he, he, we can't pretend that we don't experience those things in today era we are talking about new normal mm-hmm Every industry is now proposing a new version of a, of a surrogate, of an experience of what life used to be. And this is part of that. Like yeah. with social media and, and phones, not to talk always about the same thing, but it's, it is a thing. We might work too much. We might have a tight schedule. We might be away. Whatever it is, we might have the feeling that we want to have a little bit more via via media, via, via phone or, or whatever it will be the case. So I would not be concerned about that. Like just leave your, what I love the most about the relation that I had with you before marrying you was that no rules, no limits in what it was. Okay. We just leave each other when we, whenever we had the time to do it. So 
Yeah, but also I'll tell you, you this. It. I would like send it was I'd never like sent nudes before and sending them to you was the idea and the concept was like the scariest thing in the world because it was something so foreign to me. Well, but we but spending that much time exactly so I'm saying is like spending that much time apart. It was really like exactly. our only option. And then once I did and it made you feel good, I felt so empowered by that. I felt exactly. so happy that you had like, you know, some stuff to maybe use privately in your own moments but when we were far away from each to, other. But I'm trying to say, run away from the idea of like who control yeah. the situation and when. I think also this is, is your man. If you love cheap. him, I think that's cheap. Yeah, if actually you, that is cheap. If you love him, I I really like, I, I would be more concerned about a guy going out to dinner with me and asking me to share the check if I would be a girl. Then a guy asked me, send me some some nudes. Fuck yeah, do it. Like, and it was sent to him. Some like, actually, you know what I mean. Like, you know, I, I think. Yeah, you know I, mean, I mean, but also say, you want to be careful about who you're sending photos to because people are sketchy and use them against you. You also gotta understand to who's who's on the other side. Yeah, you know? they've been dating Just since January. Be a so that's a long time. No? Yeah. Yeah. Be careful. No, I didn't. I wasn't promoting nudes. But <laughs> like, be careful. I'm like, pretend like you have a daughter. Have some, 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 some decor, but. You know, yeah, I think. It's kind of hard right now. I think. It's, I life think it, is hard. Life is hard. And you right guys now, are far apart from each ever. other. Saying that you're not going to send him a, a also, man, photo of yourself. Also, quite honest. Yes, my love. If I, if you don't do it, then somebody else will. You oh. might ask to somebody else that actually is going to be happy to do it. Yeah. It sounds bad. I know. Sounds a little I, bit I fucked know. up as reality, but it is where it is. I know. I didn't want to be that. That, but listen, if we're all friends cook, here. If you I don't got... cook for me, I'm gonna go outside to eat something somewhere else. <laughs> Jesus Christ! It is what it is. Sorry for the parallel, but um, there's no such word as parallelo. It's it's parallel. It makes sense. I it's think. parallel. Oh, parallel. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Thanks, honey. Thank you for having me. It was fun. I, I missed this. <laughs> it's been a while. I, I know. lost the touch. But stop traveling for work. I love. Well, I love you. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes this week's episode of Everything Is the Best. I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate, review, subscribe all that stuff. Maybe leave a comment. But remember, shitty comments are for shitty people. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Pia Barangini. And I hope you have a fabulous, fabulous rest of your day. Love you. Ciao.